Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCorsi here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Well, in addition to this episode of Startup Hustle being brought to you by Fullscale.io, I wanted to say that I think your hair looks nice today. Really? Yeah. Because I just like buzz it all off. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. But it looks good. It I have looks... the easiest haircut in the world. I, or actually I'm... the hardest, maybe. Uh, actually, no. I no. can cut your hair. Um, but people but, always miss the little hairs. But my hair. Up. But my hair. It, it's out of control. You have you're losing your hair. Is that what no, you mean? actually, I started taking <laughs> pills for that a while oh. ago. So I think I think uh, I think some of it's growing back. Now here's the the funny thing, and you know we always like to be transparent here. The hair pills are old. I got them like four years ago. They're expired. So I'm either going to grow. I'll look like Tarzan, or it could make the rest of my hair fall out. So because I want to get a little more insight about this new mane that I'm growing, I've brought some experts oh in. God. With us today, we have Sean Finley and Eric Anderson, who are two of three co-founders of Scissors and Scotch. Gentlemen, what's up? How's it going, Not a man? Lot. Thanks for having us. Now, speaking of cool hair, Eric's got it. No offense, Sean. <laughs> I'm getting yeah. there. I'm working on it. Sean's got, got a thick, full head of hair that I admire, but Eric's is tall and, dream, and dreamy. <laughs> I could grow mine out that way. <laughs> we call that lift. Left. Right. Yeah, volume. There you so, go. I, I mean, these are things that I'm very una- not familiar with. <laughs> so we love it when you're interactive. So go to scissorsscotch.com or, and visit them while you're on the Instagrams and go to scissor, at scissors and scotch. Check us out at, at Startup Hustle Podcast. But you guys own a, an interesting and rapidly growing, I believe, is it men's hair care? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, the best way to put it, right? So we, we like to avoid the term salon, right? Because that's one of the reasons we created it was guys didn't have a place to go get their hair cut. You know, that value chains, women's salons or local barbershops. So we wanted to kind of take uh, a modern twist on the old school barbershop and, and make a place where guys could go relax, get a great haircut and enjoy their experience while doing it. It's like a premium barbershop. Exactly. That's yeah, that's a great right? way to describe it. Yeah. I mean, I'm down with that, you know, like, and I mean, here's the thing and, you know, not to throw an ad out there, but so, you know, I, I have pretty, I don't have pretty hair, but I, I, you know, I've on my way home, I sometimes stop at sport clips, which is probably like the generic version of what you guys do. And I, I, I'm going to start coming to your place, but the part of what I like there is, you know, that's like, not just like, Hey, here you cut your hair, sweep the neck next, you know, you get like the hot towel and get a little neck and shoulder rub and, you You know, then then you're back at it. But I mean, it's uh, so that premium service plus now I mentioned earlier, you guys are growing quickly. You guys uh, are in fact growing quickly. Do you want to throw out a little, a few stats or, or anything? I mean, yeah, so we, we started our uh, first shop in Omaha, Nebraska in 2015 and uh owned the first couple shops and then ended up franchising and so where we're at now is we have eight open just opened down and we're moving into texas next which is awesome and we're kind of in full sales mode now where we're looking for awesome operators across the country and we've had interest from 
corner to corner. And so uh, there are a lot of markets just like Kansas City where we're at now that just don't really have options that are similar to SNS. And they're kind of they you're working with the sport clips or the clip the clip joints we call them or just kind of the corner barbershop and they're looking for something that's a better experience that makes it not like a chore to go get your hair cut. And so people are expressing interest all over the place and we're looking for operators now. Is this an industry phenomenon? Like nationwide? Is is this what you guys do? Is it a growing industry? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the men's grooming as a whole is one of the fastest growing parts of the beauty industry when you look at, you know, cosmetics, hair care, grooming, etc. And what we do from our standpoint, you know, a premium style, you know, uh, better experience, long, you know, great haircut, uh, coupled with technology and whatnot. You know, from our standpoint, it is growing in that way. People, you know, the the consumer, the clients, they want a better experience, and that and we kind of see that when we go into every market. Something that we're doing that's different is we have a full cocktail lounge inside of it, so nobody's doing that. What we do across the country. So when you couple up our services with a full on you know, cocktail lounge, we're the only ones doing it in, in the industry right now across the country. So when you're in your stores, are you allowed to, do you have to drink? Do you have to have the drink before you get your haircut? Or are you allowed to have the drink while you get your haircut? Before or after. And so one of the but reasons, not during. not during, yeah, you know, it gets, you know, you, you, uh, you're under your cape, right? You don't want hair flying into your nice scotch or drink or old fashioned. You interrupt the barber when, you know, that was more of a, a liquor license issue though. It's great. Yeah. So we do have liquor licenses at all. Uh, all of our current shops. Um, I thought it was like a licensing issue. You couldn't couldn't have it on each while side. while you're getting your haircut. It varies by state. Uh, yeah. Great, great Sometimes question. It is, yeah, why wouldn't you be able to have? Why would why would that exist? Well, I, I say this because I used to go to the gents place, which is one of your competitors, and you used to be able to drink while you got your haircut, and then one day you couldn't, and they said it was because of some licensing thing. Yeah, you have to do a lot of diligence up front when we're going into these new markets because it varies. Uh, the licensing is one of the toughest hurdles, but it does come back to it actually works well for us because back to the experience, we don't really want people trying to juggle the drink or having to have the stylist and that makes sense to too. set it that and all that. Too. And so we spin it. At, I mean, it does come back to licensing a lot, but we spin it as um, it's a, just a better experience if they can just focus on not getting hair in your drink. Exactly. Yep. yep. So. If you're interested in exploring franchise options, you can go to franchise.scissorscotch.com. Now, there, you know, at one point I actually, when we, right as we were moving to Kansas City, back to Kansas City from Indianapolis, we were looking at different businesses we might be able to expand to because we saw our ticket business changing and we wanted to get into some different stuff. And um, hair, hair is something we looked at. Do you want to know why, Matt? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> See how fluid we are with that. It's as, almost as if we've done this. Of course, that better. Um, hair. So haircuts are fairly recession proof. You don't, and and that was like an interesting fact that we discovered as we we're looking at different franchise stuff. And I have a history of in retail where you know I was a, a managed part of a fifteen different stores, but people get their haircut regardless of yeah. economic conditions. Yep. So there was some. And it's also, depending on how you're doing it, maybe not so much at a premium place, but if you're opening, you know, a different kind of, you know, hair facility, it's not super expensive to outfit. I mean, it can be, but some of them were, were fairly, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, I, I do think that, that the niche of premium 
anything. I mean, you, when my wife, my wife's getting her hair done is like $200, but it's like a half a day thing. Yeah. And she enjoys going to do that, probably. Maybe. Firm and color. and <laughs> Probably because she gets away from me. <laughs> Talks about and you the whole time. Bitches totally. about you. Yeah. No, she says great stuff. Oh, okay. My wife has never made any complaints <laughs> about me, ever. <laughs> I'm pretty much ideal in every way, so Matt. When, in your guys' um, salons. Barbershops. <laughs> Barbershop. <laughs> do, um, are the drinks free or do you pay for them? You get one complimentary drink with every one service. free, all yeah, right. One free, and then you have the option. To you, buy can yeah, yeah. you can supersize it. Yeah, you can supersize it. Ooh, I like that. There you go. I want a tall double, please, <laughs> for charge. <laughs> yeah. All right. So every every story and 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 hero of every story has a great backstory. Um, what? How did you guys get into this? I mean, what what made this come about? So I got moved to Omaha, Nebraska, for a job in 2013. And I'm originally from Kansas City, grew up in Prairie Village, uh, you know, went to Shawnee Mission East, you know, Kansas City is my home. And so ended up getting to Omaha, went to school in Nebraska. And one of the first things I did when I got there is I'm going to first real job out of college. And I Googled men's haircuts. And the places I found were the value chain, sport clips, great clips, cost cutters, women's salons, or, you know, local barbershops that did a great job. But I'd had to wait two hours to get my hair cut. It was walk-in only. Didn't have that time, right? So every time I needed to get a haircut up there, I was just frustrated with the options. Dude, if I can't schedule online, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, like, yeah. you got to know when I can get in, when I can get out, right? It's, you're busy. Yes. Um, you know, that's one of the things we really emphasized on. And we were all frustrated with the industry as a whole in terms of, you know, technology, the websites, no app, et cetera. And so when, you know, I started researching the industry, I sort of fell in love with the white space out there and the men's grooming side of the market. Yeah. Uh, and so thought about it. And, you know, Sean and Tanner are my two best friends. And so over drinks one night, we're sitting over at the well. Right. And I say, hey, guys, I want to open up a barbershop and call it Scissors and Scotch. We can do this. We can do it in Omaha. Uh, and they're like, you're crazy, right? Like we don't know anything about cutting hair. Uh, and so I, I'd sent them everything I had done on the research a week later, we were on a Google Hangouts call and started building the business together. So a year after that, we were open with our first location in Omaha, Nebraska. So a couple things worked in our favor too, cause we had a pretty diverse set of backgrounds and we all came from what you'd call corporate America, but we didn't have any industry experience in men's grooming specifically. And so we didn't uh, know how things were done before. So we could kind of start from the ground up. And the other thing that played into our favor is we are our client, our target clientele. And so a lot of the ideas for how, how do we want to develop this experience just come naturally because you're pretty much designing what would I want to go pay for and how much would I pay for that? And so we didn't, I mean, eventually we brought in key hires like Brandy, who's our director of grooming operations, who's awesome. But uh, so we have the technical knowledge now on that side, but we could kind of when we we're coming up with the business plan, just think through it without any uh, preconceived ideas about how things should run in a barbershop or any of that. And so we got to mix in some of the best practices from the different areas we came from background wise. So do you do you operate like some women's salons where the 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 hairstylist like pays for their chair and whatever or all no. the people just work for you. So that's called yeah, yeah booth rental and that was that was one of the first things that we really wanted to flip around because when we started doing the research, we found that the culture in general in the grooming industry, men or women, was bad because they're I mean or non-existent because a lot of these people 
they rent their booth and so they don't they're not really tied to the shop that they're working yeah. at they're individuals and, amongst yeah the it's just a so bunch the, of silos i went yeah. to the gents place for like three years straight and mm-hmm. the reason i started going there is our office was literally across the street like it was a hundred hundred yard walk sure. or less for me to go there and i went exact same time every single week like religiously and i think the mostly they were all ladies the ladies that worked there that were cutting hair really liked it because they had the exact same clientele Mm -hmm. like on a schedule right and as a business owner it's great because it's sort of it's more recurring revenue like you know you have these clients to come back every two weeks every one week every three week whatever have the same stylist every single time they get to know you like it's a great that that whole part of it was a great experience for me yeah and that most of the stats show like if you find someone especially as a guy if you find someone you like and you trust then you're not going to go somewhere else because you don't want someone, yeah. you don't want to roll the dice on a horrible haircut. And so if we can keep those great employees, then we know that we're going to have those recurring customers because there's no reason for them to leave. And so we wanted to make a place that's not, not a stepping stone and they feel like they have a true connection to the company. And so we, they're full employees, they have benefits, they have all kinds of perks, yeah. they have a career path. And so that's when I'm talking about and they some make of, some big tips, I bet, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Our, money. yeah, our yeah. clients are typically generous, but we could. Yeah, because I was a big, the... I always would tip them. How much should you tip? You, I, I need Honestly, to know this. One million dollars. Yes. Yeah. Well, the average tip is over 20% at, at our location. Okay. So, you know, we have, you know, stylists, barbers bringing home over 30% tips on, you know, on wow. average. So I leave a good tip when I get my haircut. But what do you guys charge for like a standard haircut? $30? 42 42 yeah, in Kansas City. It varies by market. You know, in Dallas, wow. we're so 48 eight to, like eight to ten dollar tip on top of that. I mean, yeah. I dude, I pay that much at almost that much at sport clips without the drink, without the drink, yeah, without, without the, the drink. experience. Yeah. Without, yeah. You know, we and that's one of the things like, like Sean I think, I think it's like 32. So $42, does that include like any kind of massage or manicure yeah. or any that kind of stuff? Is that just basic haircut? Not a manicure, but you do get, you know, the hot steam towel with the, right. the mint oil, shampoo condition, you know, head massage, haircut style. You guys yeah. offer like manicures and we got rid of massages those, and stuff like that. So or? this is actually uh, a good point to talk about, you know, something we tried that didn't yeah. work. Uh in Omaha, we wanted to be everything for guys, right? We wanted to be a one-stop shop, said, okay, let's do manicures, let's do pedicures, let's do massages. Flat out didn't work. It accounted for less than 1% of our revenue. Yeah. Guys didn't do it. We weren't great at it. They could go somewhere else, get it for cheaper, get it better. Took up a ton of space. Took up a ton shops. of space, right? Yeah. And so at that point, you got to look and say, hey, let's get rid of this and add two more barber chairs because we right. were full at that point. I mean, what are we doing here? Let's so, do what we do well. Do you do eyebrow waxing? We do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one. That. Yeah, we you do definitely do... need to do that, Matt. And nose yeah. waxing. That's one and of the nose waxing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Both. <laughs> I did eyebrow waxing once. <laughs> Waxing's on me next time you guys come in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're amazed at how much I know about this, huh? Um, I'm not. No. I'm okay. really not. I'm not. You know, one thing that you did mention, though, is, is you know, the convenience of the location where you were yeah. going to do this. And for me, that's everything. So like, it's not about like, it's about like my path of driving home um, and not necessarily going out of the way. Now you said you went at the same time mm-hmm. every time. I'm not like that. I'm like, like, actually it was funny. I knew you guys were coming in and it made me realize how much I needed a haircut. And I was <laughs> like, so maybe I'll get one this afternoon. Um, but you know, that's not always, you know, I'm not, I'm not as structured and well-planned with that. How do you guys, and, and I, and I'm, fairly certain that the convenience factor has a lot to do with yeah. where people stop, especially guys. Cause yes. it's like, it's not like a four hour thing. It takes 20 minutes. Yeah. 
So is there, is there a particular mindfulness about how you guys plan and market when it comes to that? Yeah, I think uh, we recognize that there's a lot of different mindsets for the customers. There are the people that like to pre-book and just have a standing appointment and they know that every third Monday they're going to go at whatever. But we also have people, and I used to be this way too, if you're say at a, a firm somewhere and you don't know what your schedule is going to be in three weeks, then you would just want to know, okay, what's available and when am I going to be in? When am I going to be out? And so scheduling, I mean, sticking to the schedule within the shops is also huge because you don't want to schedule something at 2.30 and you don't actually get into the chair until 2.55. That was one of the biggest turnoffs about a lot of these cool mom and pop barber shops. People can't go to those just because they don't know, they don't have a two hour, three hour block to hang out in the shop all day. And so, yeah, we do a lot of pre-booking marketing and we try to get people, I mean, that helps with the recurring revenue, obviously too, but then for um, the online, the app that we have and the online booking widgets and all that stuff for people that are booking the day of, or one day before. Can you usually get in day in or are you guys booked up? It varies by shop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what I, that's what I saw at the Jen's place. Like you had to book two or three days in advance. That place was so busy all the time. Yeah. So I'm sure you guys are the same way and, and that's be good for your business. Like every chair is always filled every, which yep. is great. But yep. as a customer, it's a little frustrating because you're like, oh, I got to plan ahead. It's yep. definitely frustrating. What, what's a little different, you know, you can get on your phone right now. You could download our app and you could, you know, check today's schedule. You check tomorrow's schedule, right? And, yeah. and something that, you know, I want to go back to about like planning where we're putting shops and marketing and whatnot. We have to either be in a dense area where there's a lot of people that live or around where people work. Yeah, So what you're talking about convenience, right? It, with guys, you're going to have to be in either one of those spots where it's on the way to work, it's on the way home from yeah. work, or you live around that area. Around right? lunch, on around. the way home, on the way to work. Exactly. Yeah, and so then one thing that is a little bit different about our concept that's nice is why I do think we get people from further away is because of that cocktail lounge. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is more of an experience. So if guys love it, they're willing to drive the extra five minutes than go into a sport clip. So we do have that. Uh, so Matt, know, going can Matt and I go together and have a drink together, yeah. get our eyebrows done together, yeah. get a manny and a pet. Oh, wait. No, we do, can't do the Manny we, No, we'll get a couple's massage couple's somewhere massage. else. We'll, I don't know. Okay. We probably better find a guest that has a, a massage place so we can maybe get that. Yeah. Make a day out of it. I yeah. actually love telling this story about you. It's a great one. So I was down in Oklahoma City um, at our golf. We do a member golf tournament every year at our shops. And there's a group of guys down there who were all uh, at the shop at the same time on Tuesday. They were all sitting at the bar hanging out together. And they ended up becoming friends. And so they all booked their appointment together every other Tuesday at the same time. And they come in and they drink together. They have kids. They're busy. Yeah. They became friends, right? Yeah. And so they call it like the every other Tuesday club or something. And so nice. for the golf tournament, they made shirts. And it was just cool. We, wow. you know, we like to create and foster a community that's more than just a barbershop. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm at, at Scissor Scotch. These guys have 28,000 followers on, on the gram. Wow. Yeah, probably because of pictures of his hair. No, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I don't yeah. see any. No, I don't see. Yeah, no, no. no. Try so to hide from that. That, yeah. that by the way, that's a lot of followers for a, a you know a franchise. Or I mean, yeah. yeah. So obviously, this is this is. You guys should keep doing this. Uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll from the outside looking in, that's my that's my that's my advice. For, so for those of of our listeners that are in Kansas City, where are your stores in kansas city 
135th and Metcalf. Okay. So right, I mean, one of the best. I know that one. You're right there the on like the corner of the yep, intersection yeah. too. Right yeah, there, yeah. One, yeah. And then 119th and Black Bob out in Olathe, at Olathe Point. Okay. So right next to the Orange Theory out there across from Whole Foods in the center. Okay. Um, you know, that's another great location too. So. Just those two? Those two in Kansas mm-hmm. City. Both yep. those locations suck for me. <laughs> to your point like it's got to be on the way 135th yeah. Metcalf is close enough to my house but it's not on the way that yeah. I drive to work yeah. yeah so yeah and but. that's one of those things I mean you know we're those you know our franchisees here you know they're already looking at locations three and four we'll expand around the metro um yeah because it's our goal man I mean we, we do want to be convenient for people so if you're interested in in exploring the franchise model that these guys have they're clearly onto something here go to franchise.scissorscotch.com while you're there or after you check that out, you can also go to fullscale.io and learn about technology, right, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. And check out the Startup Hustle podcast website too. Yeah. Yeah. You could do that. Although it's just okay. It's just okay. Yeah. Kind of like the autobiography that I'm writing right now called Local Guy Does Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm working my way through that. I'm about nine pages in. I'm really tearing it up. So, yeah. I mean, that's the problem with writing an autobiography is, you know, you're like, wow, I'm nine pages in and I'm boring. Maybe we get you <laughs> um, a ghostwriter. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. So when it comes to franchises, these, they're, they're tough. I think that people don't realize the, um, the, you know, some of the frustrations and things that are hard about franchise models. Uh, you know, I think the, you've seen the movie, The Founder. Um, and that's a, that's a really interesting movie because, you know, franchises weren't quite what they were then. And I'm referring to the McDonald's story, but when you guys were talking about getting rid of manicures and stuff like that, it reminded me of the part where they're like, you know, we should just focus on hamburgers and fries. That's 80, 90% of our sales. So, you know, that's the kind of insight that, you know, franchise franchisors can offer franchisees. Uh, but that said, franchises as businesses fail on a much, much, much lower rate than than startups, which you know, which is the community that Matt and I frequent a little more. Um, what are some of the benefits uh, that you guys offer your franchisees, and then also what are some of the challenges that you've run into trying to get this thing this thing popping? Well, I mean, one yeah, one the main benefit of a franchise is you've got that proven or at least you hope the proven business model. And so there's, yeah, they're not trying to figure every little detail out. And so, and that, but that was one of, uh, that's why originally we owned those shops and we didn't want to franchise and fully get into that realm until we came, we knew we'd never perfect the model, but we wanted to get say 95% of the way there so that we're not trying to pivot when we have a whole bunch of franchisees and say, Hey, actually this isn't working. Now we need all of you to completely change what we're doing. And so they come in, they know what they're getting into. They know that we've put a ton of research and effort into optimizing the business model. They know what to expect and everything. And it pretty much because they want to come in, have a game plan, and their job is just to execute and not try to reinvent the wheel. And so, and that plays into what kind of operators we're looking for because a true, a great franchisee is not necessarily the same mindset as a great entrepreneur because if they're too entrepreneurial and they're in our shops, they're going to challenge everything and they're going to start trying to do stuff that's just not the business model. And so then that wastes everybody's time because we're sitting there trying to fix what they're doing or trying to standardize or other shops start seeing, hey, why do they get to do that and we don't or why are they trying that or whatever. And so when we find a great franchisee, 
a lot of these people, they, they just want a polished business model and they want uh, to know, like if we're, if they're a great staff leader and they're a great operator and their attention to detail is great, then it's not rocket science to figure out how to run one of these, especially with the game plan. And so we just want to bring in people that have a passion for the industry, have a passion for people and know how to execute. And one thing I want to add to that too is, you know, we started this company without any hair experience, right? And Sean mentioned Brandy earlier. She's, you know, the lead of that grooming side and does all the training. You don't need to know how to cut hair, right? You just got to be a great people person, like Sean said, know how to manage, know how to implement systems and operations. You're going to be successful because we're going to take care of the training on the grooming side and make sure your people know how to cut hair the right way. Did any of you have experience with franchising before? No, no, no not at all. And that's, that's sort of why it took us, you know, people asked us very early on at our first shop, like, are you going to franchise it? At first we were like, no, no, no. Right. Then we got to a point in 2017 after our fourth corporate store where it's like our bank's like, yeah, you know, we'll give you money to do one or, and then two and three. And right. It's like, are we going to really grow this one and two shops a year? Or, you know, no, that's not what we're going to do here. Uh, that We couldn't grow the way we wanted to. Right. So. The other thing is the uh, franchising, the word itself kind of has a negative connotation within a lot of, because we didn't want to turn into the chain shop where it's literally the exact same thing, no matter where you go. We wanted to have some local flair because a lot of what people loved about our first shop in Omaha was it felt like their local barbershop still. And so if we were going to scale and say we go down to, we're going to Austin, Texas, we want that to feel, we want customers to go in and recognize the quality that they're going to get and know that SNS wherever I go is going to be great, but it still feels like, Hey, this is a locally owned. It's got some Austin flair. We give them a, enough flexibility as franchisees to do a little few tweaks and do custom events and partner, which we can talk about, but we do a lot of stuff that'll transcend just being chain barbershop. Cause we don't want to turn into just the premium version of a sport clips. We want our franchisees to love operating the thing. And we want our customers to be proud. And that's a ties back to that Instagram. A lot of that follower buildup is because even our customers are showing off their experience because they love taking pictures. Of, I mean, it's unique. They love showing off the little corners that are different than anywhere else. Anyone seen all that type of stuff plays into it. And so we've been, we've tried to be really cognizant as we scaled to not get so generic that it just starts losing the sexiness. The corners nobody's ever seen. What are you talking about? So we, you wouldn't want the same decorations in every single shop or have the exact mm -hmm. same layout in every single. So, so we're doing a couple, I mean, depending on, uh, we'll say a Kansas city shop, we might have the decorations will be different, but then also some of the events we do in the lounge that we're showing off on Instagram, say we partner with a, a Rieger or a Tom's town or something like that. And they can come in and show off a unique local brand or like, say you bring in a Charlie hustle and they do a trunk show. And so then all of a sudden people are getting to show off uh, unique things that other barbershops aren't doing that are also local and they feel like they're plugged into their well, community. Well, you guys have a very coveted clientele that people would want to get access to. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's a lot so of things crossover like, with cool th brands. Things like trunk shows and crossover and partnerships, is that a big part of each model? Because, you, you know, what you, I didn't even realize you were doing that. So, you know, a trunk show is when any maker, you know, brand comes for short periods of time and you, you ever go somewhere and there's like a table and you know there's jewelry yeah. or i mean those are trunk shows essentially mm -hmm. um but are those are those permanent placements or do they just come in for short periods of time uh short periods of time normally i mean we 
we like to give our franchisees a lot, like I was saying, the flexibility and they, we want them to be go-getters to the point that they'll go out and connect with people within the community. And they're normally from the city that they're operating in. So they already have some connections. They know who the cool brands in town are and all that. And we, we don't try to, when we get them some guidelines on, there has to be obviously the synergy and the overlap between customers, but it also needs to fit kind of a high quality brand we want to bring. Have in. Nickel and Sweet come in and set up a table. Yeah, actually, exactly. that would yeah. probably be a good example. Except for that would be kind of hard because I think they sell women's earrings, Matt. For but your if wife, you're looking, it's a good for point. Your wife. Actually, good point. Yeah. Actually, I, I, the moment that came out of my mouth, I was like, <laughs> "Oh shit!" I would probably buy something. I set that trap for you. I know. Thanks. Um, so I, funny I really enough, they're that. actually going a couple doors down from us in Dallas, and we've talked about having them come in and do, like showing off some of their stuff yeah. for presents. Yeah, and, and so uh, that makes example. I mean that makes sense, especially like the uh, at around this time of year. Yeah, you know, yeah. or towards the fourth quarter, or like if there was something like that right before Valentine's yeah. Day. I'd be yeah. Like, oh yeah, Mother's yeah. Day. Yeah, that was I literally saw those words come out of my mouth. <laughs> I was like, yeah. um, and speaking of seeing the look on my face, um, you can join the startup hustle youtube channel you can see eric's the lift on eric's hair <laughs> seriously and you can also see my true need for a haircut um i i'm a i'm a subscriber of inc magazine and they have their franchise or is it entrepreneur i'm that is where i'm going sorry wrong wrong one entrepreneur magazine puts out a franchise 500 and one of the things that i always find and i always peruse that as it comes out I find it to be interesting, the cost ranges that they estimate. Like, dude, you got to have some coin if you want to open a McDonald's. Like, it's not cheap. I mean, yeah. you're looking at like a, a couple million bucks liquid just to have because they don't want you to run out of money. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys, you know, like what kind of what kind of uh, investment am I going to have to make when I open a, a Scissors and Scotch? Yeah, so you're looking right at about three ninety okay. to upwards of about half a million. Okay. And, you know, that range varies based on shop size, real estate, construction costs, et cetera. Uh, one thing we're really learning in this franchising industry is we're shrinking our footprint without getting rid of revenue generating square feet. Uh, you know, in the Midwest, we learned a lot, right? We were young founders. Our first space was right at 2,800 square feet. Too big, right? Yep. I mean, that it's, we got to shrink that. So we're getting down to about 1,600 to 2,000 square feet without losing any of our chair space, which is where the revenue comes from. And so when you look at it as a whole, you know, our startup cost is a little bit higher than some of our competitors in the industry in terms of if you're looking at hair care. But our top line is also double or triple that. So it's not it's not a whole lot more. I mean, it, you'd be surprised at how much it costs to open a location. Matt, are you familiar with that, the ratio, the revenue per square feet? Mm-mm. that's like a retailer thing so like we and that's why these big stores in the malls are flopping hard right. because when amazon chopped out some of their 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 revenue right. their revenue per square foot like rose really high they're like it you know and in software they also look at like uh, revenue per employee and that's right. something yep, that yep. like you know the, how does that break down if you have a bunch of employees that make a hundred thousand dollars a year and your revenue per employee is 30k <laughs> get some work to do but but yeah and that's a challenge so at the same time some of these uh you know there's so much space out there from failed retail right now that i've noticed that that's getting pretty competitive and that can actually create a buyer's market yeah um are you guys finding some some good opportunities and stuff out there with with the changing face of retail yeah our uh it 
it works out really well for our franchisees because like you're saying, a lot of the landlords are excited about experience-based concepts like mm-hmm. SNS because it can't be replaced by any of these online re- retailers yeah. and it improves their foot traffic and on down the line. But they're, um, they love that we, we like, like to look for experience centers where they're not anchored by a big box retailer that could be risky over the next 10 years. I mean, cause most of these franchisees, are signing the initial term lease is going to be 10 years. And so you need to look at the health of that center, not now, not just now, but is that say a Macy's or whatever going to still be there in eight years or, and cause we're, we're definitely taking note of a lot of these turnovers in these big shopping centers, but it has played into our favor in contract negotiations or into our franchisees favor because they want something that is low risk, that's recession resist, recession resistant, that people are going to be coming back to guaranteed every. They want multiple weeks. anchors, yep. correct? You know. Well, then, yep. so, so part of when I worked in the music industry and, I, and managed some retail locations, part of my job was opening new locations. And so, with a business like theirs, where you have repeat people coming. So let's just say you go to a place one time. It's the only time you ever go. Your probability of visiting the neighboring stores is pretty low and a strip mall, like in a, maybe in a mall, it might be different, but in like that strip mall location, because you came there for one purpose and now you're out. You're not necessarily, but if you go into a place over and over again, you're like, Oh, maybe next time I'll check out this or I'm I'll going check to that out toy that. store. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then you might end up going there over and over again. So that kind of repetitive foot traffic is a, is a, uh, those kind of, uh, anchors, whether they're bigger, or small are really good because like we, we had music retail so and that was something that people came back to a lot and you know like and also would just i don't know people just come in to, to fuck around too yeah. but you know they're there wasting time and that's a different kind of foot traffic so well that's interesting so not everything in life is a success and i gotta believe that you guys have learned some interesting and important lessons along the way. Would you be willing to share one of those with us? Def- absolutely. <laughs> Something that, that moved your experience level higher? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, there's a, there's one deal we can point to that really kind of put us on a path toward franchising. Uh, and I think it's a good lesson, um, you know, especially for brick and mortar, for people who are trying to manage, you know, people and have them invested in, in you know, the success of the company. So uh, we opened our second location in Des Moines, Iowa, which, you know, about two hours away from Omaha, our first location. And, you know, we put a general manager in place. And we thought, you know, the culture was going to be just as good as when, you know, Tanner and I were in the shop every day, uh, you know, hanging out, making sure the employees are having the experience they need to have, you know, a successful life, a successful career. The clients are happy. Our memberships, are, our members are happy. And we thought that was just going to translate on down from us to our general manager, to that staff, to the clients, et cetera. And, you know, probably some, some fault of ours with guidance and oversight and whatnot, but, you know, that general manager just wasn't invested in the company as much as we were, right? And, and truthfully so, because he's a salaried employee and, um, you know, he's not going to put in 60 hours a week to make sure the company is as successful as we want it to be. And so, uh, you know, about after a year, we decided to uh, move on from that general manager because the company just, it wasn't growth wasn't there. You know, we weren't hiring new employees. We weren't, you know, we weren't seeing the success that we expected and wanted to see. And at that point, um, you know, I up and sold my house in Omaha and moved to Des Moines. And part of that, which is an interesting, funny story for a startup 
podcast is I actually lived. So we had a massage room in our second location as well. And we weren't you lived using, in the massage room. We I might have. We weren't using it. And so I <laughs> bought an air mattress and I lived in the massage room for about a month. Wow. Until we got a, you know, like a townhome out there and whatnot. So, um, but it was awesome. You know, I, we, uh, we were out there for about another year, year plus there, um, kind of turned that operation around and uh, ended up selling that to one of our members out there. And now he's the franchisee and he just opened his second location there. So um, it's a good story to think about, you know, when you're trying to scale, uh, think about the people you're putting in place and making sure that they're going to be just as invested in, in blood, sweat and tears of what you would be. So it was a really, really good lesson to teach us that, hey, uh, you got to have people invested in, in, in every shop. Sean, Sean, you got something? Yeah. Well, I mean, we built that into our training for new franchisees too, because a lot of these, especially the more, the big sophisticated, we call them area developers, will come into a big market like say uh, a Dallas, Texas. They're not going to be able to be the ones inside every store. So they normally kind of build their hierarchy and they'll have people that become the general managers. But what we failed to do initially was think through the incentives of that general manager. And so if they're paid a fixed salary, why would they want to hire more people? Because more people means more headaches and on down the list. And so what we did was we then studied what a lot of these, the top franchises, like say a Jimmy John's or something like that, that builds in phantom equity, or they pay you uh, X percent of a bottom line or the build in milestone, however you want to do it. There has to be some incentives that are built into the upside of business and the bottom line. And it helps to, we used to try, we wanted to be transparent, but not too transparent at the beginning. But now that we've learned that if you have a general manager that truly understands the full P&L and they know how every little decision affects that shop's bottom line, then they make better decisions. And then if your incentives are in place, then they're always wanting to grow, grow, grow. And then they're truly aligned. So we had, we learned that through that whole Des Moines debacle. I'm a big believer in giving people a vested interest in, mm-hmm. in the success. Everybody's yeah, the interest has to be aligned. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So have you guys ever played mixtape? Never. No, you're about to. So that's good. This is something that, that we should probably sell at scissors and scotch, to be honest. So mixtape the game. You go to mixtapethegame.com, digital version coming soon. I played the next version of this. We're getting there. All right. I have pulled a card from the mixtape deck, and I am going to read a scenario, and we are all going to name a song that we think goes appropriately with this scenario. <laughs> great. Then we will all vote. You cannot vote for yourself. This would be a fun game to play while a bunch of dudes are getting their hair cut. I mean, that's yeah. kind of why I was thinking. I was like, this is kind of a good product. Um, Wild drinking. So, yeah. And I have even better news for you guys as well. Joel Johnson, the creator of Mixtape and our business partner in Mixtape, because we love this game so much, we, we, bought, we bought part of it. Um, he has brought promo Mixtape decks. Oh. So you guys will be the first guests to leave with no cash but prizes. All right. Let's do it. All right. The card from today's mixtape card is you are a vintage bottle of Dom Perignon. Did I say that well enough? What song would you want to be popped to? A vintage bottle. Yeah, vintage. Like real expensive. Yeah. Like a G6. I don't know if that's the name of the song, but... Wow, this is a tough one. Yeah, it is interesting because it's like there's. I think there's a lot of potential answers. Can we pass? 
you're gonna fucking pass on your mixtape card. <laughs> yeah. By the way, so on, on the, the app, on the app, you get one minute to get a response and if you don't you like you lose your rights as a citizen you cannot be voted for and you do not get to cast a vote <laughs> all right in the next part so we've thought this out for, okay. for slow people like you um i mean i kind of want to i kind of want to go back to like it's all about the benjamins baby oh you know like i hear the pop and it's like you know then now see in the app we'd act i could actually play the song because i just won you only get to hear the song for whoever won but yeah so I'm going with that. And y'all, you guys better come up with a vote or I'm going to win. I'm drawing blanks on this one. You could literally I name know. any song in the history of songs right now. Fuck you by CeeLo Green. It, except <laughs> for that one, which by the way, we've, we've banned that because it actually is, is almost the best answer for any card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to argue that. I, I mean, think, it's, think it's, it's like a hack. Yeah. How so about, Jump around by House of Pain. Ooh, I'm just, yeah. I kind of like that one. Okay, I'm gonna vote for that, dude. You didn't even put in a, a <laughs> fucking song. I'm gonna ban you. I'm also the mixtape commissioner, self appointed. <laughs> Do you have an entry? Like a G6. I don't even know that song. I don't, I don't know if that's the right. You're gonna you you're gonna it, yeah. force me to vote for Sean because you can't even name a song. <laughs> you could literally name any song. Like it, taking a true pass is like the worst ever. Like it, Matt, what's the first song that comes to your mind if you say Limp Biscuit? I'm coming across the table. Wanna be by Spice Girls. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I kind of like that. I'm actually gonna. Uh, all right, we got to vote now. I'm actually God. It hurts so bad when you make me vote for you, Matt. But I have to vote for Matt. Why? Why can't you vote for him? Yeah. Why can't you vote for Sean? I because I have to vote for Mike. It's a better answer. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Do you have a vote? I'll vote with Matt. Which one? Yeah. Yes. Oh my God! A landslide for you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Second place. How about you? He voted for. Oh, how did I vote for Spice Girls? Yes. <laughs> oh, this game sucks. <laughs> no. Oh my god! I'm gonna shoot you with the money gun. Look at that, and that's that's the the money gun is jammed on that answer. This thing doesn't even deserve to be fired right now. Uh, Bill Self must have loaded that thing. Oh yeah, those dollars are straight from Snoop Dogg. Oh, god, for those of you listening, I'm sorry. Oh. By the way, we uh that was the best mixtape ever. Okay, you want to know why I got robbed <laughs> the other day. So it was the song that sums up your adolescence, and I said me so horny <laughs> and lost. <laughs> like I should have just I mean, I felt like the game should have Did I win that it. one? Yeah, you won with the ice ice baby. Yeah, dude, really? <laughs> like, come on. Me so horny should have been an automatic. I win. know, I felt like I should have just like knocked the mic over. That would have been a just, good one for today. <sighs> Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Couldn't be any worse. Than By the, the way, I do want to point out that that Keith Harrington emailed me later and told me I should have won. He like uncast his vote. Okay, he left the <laughs> podcast episode thinking demanded a recap. Like he was like, "Oh my god, I was clearly wrong." <laughs> that's the first time that's happened too. Well, anyway. All right, oh so as God. we as we round out this episode, first off, go to scissorscotch.com, Check out what they do and. 
book a time to come in. I think that's probably the best bet. You can find them on Instagram at, at scissors scotch, become one of those really large count of followers. I think you're probably be, be, help them get to 30 K. And if you're listening to this way down the road, hopefully 40, 50, 60 K. The 30,000, 30,000th <laughs> you have, follower. You have to yeah. say that three times in a row really fast. We'll now. get a free membership. <laughs> <laughs> you do have to say that three times really fast. 30,000th follower. That's hard. Uh, that's I get why it. I struggled on the first one. It's okay. It's okay. We, we, we embrace failure here. So as we round out this episode, and once again, today's episode is brought to you by Fullscale.io. Uh, that's the company Matt and I own together. We help you build teams of programmers quickly and affordably. We like to, we're, we've been giving the mic over to our guests for, in, well, and ourselves to kind of give a, a little closing minute. Um, Eric, I'll let you go first. Uh, anything you want to say, you could, this is, this is your moment, baby. Um, it could be advice. It can be something followed up from what we talked about, but anything you'd like to say on the way out? Uh, you know, man, I think, uh, something that I've learned over the past five and a half years of, uh, you know, working on this concept and growing it is there's failures every single day. Right. And and there's learning moments every single day. And when you, when you take time and, and you start learning from your mistakes and learning how you can grow and develop, uh, you start building a really strong foundation for yourself and your company to, to where it's going to be success in the long run. And that's really what, what you want, right? You know, there's going to be these hot, quick uh, success stories right away, but if you want to grow a sustainable, successful model, that's going to work long into the future, no matter what type of business you're in. Uh, I think it's, it's learning from those fa- failures and implementing, you know, the changes and knowledge that you gain from those. Yeah. I think for me, this has probably been brought up on your podcast before, but one thing that sticks with us is the do things that don't scale the Paul Graham uh, blog post that we've figured out. And we, we now teach our franchisees when they sign on that the thinking, if you're going to scale is actually kind of backwards, at least for a brick and mortar experience based business, because a lot of um, we don't want them to fall into the trap of, I need to get as many people, as many butts and seats as possible. And all I, all I need to worry about is just getting people in the door and marketing, marketing. Because once you convert someone to that person that comes in every three weeks, that person is worth 12, 13 times as many visits in one year as a new customer that then you give them an okay experience and they leave. And so if you're focused on retention and you're focused on every little detail of that experience and you turn that person into a super consumer, then all of a sudden they become 10 plus times as valuable as just a first visit. Yep. And so if people are focused on the experience itself and all the little details of getting it exactly right and having a great culture, the scaling takes care of itself. And so we try to get them to not think so much about, oh, I need to start shop too. I need to start, look at all these people I'm going to go introduce myself to and all this. But then once they have them in the shop, they just blow them off. That's, that's, completely the opposite of what we stand for and we want them to do. And so one big lesson for us is if you focus on the details and you focus on doing things that don't scale, that actually starts the snowball into growing a lot faster long-term. That's great advice. Do you have any comments, Matt? No, I think, I think it's, I mean, I spend a lot of my time at Stackify looking, finding weird shit that doesn't make any sense, trying to solve little bitty things that Mm -hmm. maybe nobody else notices, but I'm the only one who notices this stuff and I got to go fix it. Yeah. I think overall, you know, my closing comments here is, you know, franchises are a really great opportunity for, um, uh, for entrepreneurs and not everyone has, has some, 
you know, what I'll say from scratch idea, like those are hard. They're hard to do. And the hardest part about startups is that they don't come with an owner's manual. And we've said that a bunch on this show. Um, you know, the, the big, the big part of a franchise is, you know, you are, you are inducted into a tribe, you are, uh, and, and your tribe is your vibe and you get, you know, you have people like, like Sean and Eric that are around to show you the way and say, Hey, look, we've already made these failures in the past. So we, we'd like to help you not do that. And failure is expensive. Um, if someone else is already, I mean, this is why you see franchises everywhere because they do come with an owner's manual. They come with support. They come with wisdom. They come with experience. When you have a startup, anytime something, anytime anything happens, it's the first time it's happened. And you have to, you know, we had to do that at full scale. I mean, we've got like an 80 page document of like what to do if this occurs and how this occurs. And by the way, it was excruciating and time consuming and resource consuming to put that together. And we're not a franchise. Mm -hmm. So you got to, you know, get that stuff figured out. And I think that um, if that's, you know, the, if you don't want to have to deal with that yourself, or you don't think you're any good at it, a franchise is a good way to go. So for those of you listening, once again, thank you. We do appreciate it. Matt, we are up to 190 countries or something like that. That's awesome. You said that there's not that many. Uh, United <laughs> Nations only says there's like 183 or something. I but, know, but yeah. they, they get all political, man. I we know. don't. We yeah, don't. Like North Korea, if you're listening. You're a country. Thank you. Yeah. We do recognize <laughs> you here at okay. the, at, at the uh, United uh, Podcast Nation. All right. At, the, at Startup Hustle Nation. going to go out on a limb and say nobody in North Korea. <laughs> well, we're trying to get them on it. We've, we've got a plan. We were going to uh, – we figured we could get a good deal on Zoom players. And we were going to fly them in on helium balloons. And then Love we were with the yeah. show preloaded, but then we realized they don't have internet. So we wouldn't even know if they listened. So we're, we're, we're working our ways through it. And that's back to the whole thing of startups, not having an owner's manual. So we're yeah. kind of working our way through it. Um, I got to go. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to get busy. I'm going to schedule my haircut. Hang on I, a second. Wait, what? I have a new goal. Oh no. We need a listener from space. <laughs> <laughs> How? <laughs> wow. Yeah. What's the IP address? In I don't space? know how, how we, are track, we that, track that, but that's the new goal. <clears throat> I'm into it. I'm going right. to figure out how we can build a rocket. <laughs> See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.